0: You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, well, good morning, Radiant Church. Hey, one thing, one quick thing I failed to, to say is that today is, of course, the open registration day for Serve Day which takes place on July, Saturday, July 16th. And it's going to be an incredible way that we serve our community just a few hours in the morning. And we're, we're hoping for, we're praying for, listen, 100 volunteers, 100 volunteers. I think we can do it. Uh, you're here, you're all able-bodied. And we would love for you to participate in that. You can go to radiantbc.com. We're going to serve at three different areas within our community this year. So make sure you register for that. All right. Said and done. Okay, today we are in part two of a message series that I've entitled, Disciple, Becoming a Follower of Jesus Christ. And in this message series, we're nailing down what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? And in the world, there are so many sort of misconceptions about what that looks like. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people believe if you just believe in God. Like, that's, that kind of makes you a disciple. You're good to go. I believe in God. Hey, I'm, I'm kind of good, right? I'm a disciple, right? Some people, a lot of people in the West believe that it's simply this, that you kind of live a semi-moral life, you know what I mean? Um, try to go to church at least a couple times a year, you know what I'm saying? Christmas and Easter are the big ones. Don't miss those ones, okay? Because those are the really big ones. Try to stay away from rated R movies unless it's an action movie, right? Whatever, right? And if you can just do that, you're you're good to go, right? That's what a lot of people, a lot of people in the West believe. But what we learned last week is that those surface level definitions really just fall completely short or fall completely flat of the biblical definition of what? Of what a disciple is and what discipleship means and is. The best English word that we have to describe discipleship is the word apprentice, apprentice, right? You practice this in the medical field, right? I actually did a, a, a pastoral residency at Calvary Church in Grand Rapids. It was a two-year program where I was involved in all types of ministry. It was kind of an apprenticeship, if you would. I preached. I worked with kids. I, I did everything, essentially, uh, in the work of the ministry, right? An apprentice is someone who works for or studies under someone else to learn what a skill or a trade, right? A skill or a trade. I mean, a lot of us know about this. This is very popular. Some of you might remember the. Um, you guys remember the old television show, The Apprentice? Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty good, pretty cool show, right? And in this show, there was like fifteen to eighteen because contestants, and they were split up into two teams, or two what? Two corporations, right? Two businesses, and they competed on all of these sort of business-orientated tasks, and how much they could sell, and how creative they could be with their marketing and whatnot, right? Now, the ultimate goal, or the ultimate winner, right, was an opportunity to apprentice under that great business tycoon himself, Donald Trump, right? For what? For a starting wage, check this out, of $250,000, right? Which, by the way, that's how much you need to make to afford gas these days, right? (laughs) So anyways, and we all looked forward. We all looked forward to the end of the show because we knew someone was going to get fired, right? You're fired, right? So we lived for for those words, the apprentice. We're familiar with that. We're familiar. We have an understanding of what an apprenticeship looks like. Now, last week, if you were with us, if you were, go back and listen to the message. It's really important that you build this foundation, okay? But last week, we discovered that if we're going to be disciples, that we need to orient our lives around three things, right? Number one, being with Jesus. It's really important. Being with Jesus. In fact, this is like the foundation of everything else. Being with Jesus. Number two, we need to orient our lives around this. Becoming like Jesus. Becoming like him in all that we do, all that we say, right? How we act, our character, of course. And then number three, doing as Jesus did. Doing as Jesus did. Today's message, we're going to look at these three things one more time, okay? If you want to be a disciple, if if you claim to be a disciple of Jesus, Like, this is what, like, this is the focal point of your life, right? Now, you're supposed to do your thing. Do your career, own a business, be an entrepreneur, right? Be a teacher, be a lawyer, be a doctor, do all those things. But listen, orient your lives, listen, around those three things, right? Being with Jesus, becoming like him, and then what? Doing as Jesus did. And so, here's what we're going to do today. For each of those things, we're going to go just a bit deeper into what those look like in, perhaps, in our lives, right? Right? So let's take a few moments, let's pray. It's gonna be good, I'm excited. And then we're gonna dive right into the New Testament. It's gonna be awesome, I'm excited. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you, and you are so good. You are so good to us, God, and we just, we come with gratitude, we come with a humble heart, and we come saying, have your way, King Jesus. Just have your way in our lives, God. Lord, would you just move, move, move in marriages, God. If there's a marriage in here, sort of hanging on by a thread, would you soften hearts? God, I know, I know, marriage is hard at times. God, would you soften a husband's wife or their wife and vice versa? God, if, if someone's in here and they're struggling with, their, with, their, with their, their child at home, whether he's a young person or an adult, Father, would you just bring that child back to you? Prodigals, come home today. Lord, if there's someone in here battling the giant of anxiety, would you just bring peace that surpasses all understanding? God, if there's someone in here facing the giant of depression, Lord, would you just bring joy, the joy of the Spirit, God. Lord, would you just work in our hearts, open up blind eyes, unlock deaf ears, God. Soften the hardest of hearts to know you, to submit to you, to surrender to you. Jesus, we say you're king. You're king, and we surrender to you. You are Lord. So, God, we bow the knee to you today. Have your way, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so number one, let's talk about, what does it mean to be with Jesus? What does it mean to be with Jesus? If you have a Bible, a smartphone, if not, you can follow along behind me in Luke chapter 10. And we're gonna pick things up in verse number 38, and here's what it says. <clears throat> great story, by the way, this is a great story. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was what? Distracted, right? She's distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. In other words, Jesus, I'm trying to get the, the flatbread ready for you, the pita bread, the hummus is in the oven. Like, come on, like we're trying trying to get everything ready. And my sister Mary is just sitting around trying to listen to you. Would you would you say something to her, Jesus? I'm exhausted. I'm trying to serve you. Notice what Jesus says. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. He's like, the list goes on with you, Martha. But few things are needed, or indeed, he says, there's only one. There's only one thing that's really needed here. And he says this, Mary. I love this line. Mary has chosen what is what, church? Better. Mary has chosen what is better. I- I love. It. That's profound. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what is better. Can you imagine Martha? She's like, great. I- great. Appreciate it, Jesus yeah, awesome, thank you, right? <laughs> Mary has chosen what is better. Now, just think with me for a moment. Just put yourself in this situation. Could you imagine if you, you went home today for the married folks in here? If, if, what if I were to do this? Imagine if you were to go home and say, honey, I love you. You're amazing, everything I dreamed of. I had a list this long, and man. You just delivered on all of it, right? And I love you. But hold on. There's one thing. I just don't want to spend any time with you, ever. I don't see the importance of it. Uh, I don't see the value in it. And, and can I just be frank with you, honey? I'd rather do something else. Can you imagine if you said that to your spouse, right? What if I said that to my wife? Honey, you're amazing. You're beautiful. Wow. Man, Just, just you know, outpunted my coverage on you. Wow. But I don't want to spend any time with you. I'd rather just be doing something else. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't see the importance of it. Now, you can imagine that I might not be married for very long, right? Okay? You might not remain married for very long. Honey, I'd just rather be doing other things, all right? You're great, but eh, you know what? I'd rather just be doing something else. My mother-in-law, she recently retired which is which is amazing for, for our family because we have little ones at home and you have little ones you get this right so she comes over she lives in the thumb area but she comes over like every other week and or we'll take our kids over to grandma's house and it's awesome and um we did that this weekend and when that happens uh my wife and I we have a date night it's amazing it's like wow a date night like wow, what's that I don't even know what what's that mean right Day night, like, we can go to dinner, you know, go watch Top Gun or whatever. You know, we can have a, a conversation. It's a, I mean, wow, we can have a conversation without our little ones, like, interrupting us. Because usually it's just like, just, huh, let me talk to mommy. Just, shh, 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 shh. just for a second, right? And we have conversation without any what? Without any distractions. That's right, without any distraction. And I love what Jesus tells Martha. He says, listen, you're do- what you're doing is great. Like, this is all good, right? right? The pita bread, the hummus, right? All the stuff. It's good. I love all the prep you're doing. This party is amazing, right? But you're distracted. You're so distracted. Martha's like, what are you talking about? I'm doing this all for you, Jesus. Lord, I'm trying to serve you, Right? And Jesus says, you know what? Here's the thing. Mary chose what is what? Better. She chose what is better. Jesus might say to some of us in the church today, listen, hey, hey, you're doing a good thing. Hey, you're doing stuff for me. That's awesome. But you're you're, you're distracted. You're so distracted. That's nice. That's really nice and all. But man, I just want to spend some time with you. I just, I miss you. I miss you. That's right. I miss you, right? Jesus might even say that to some of us in the church, because here's the truth, here's the reality, and I want to say it this way. Jesus wants more than just what we can do for him, he wants you, right? Jesus wants more than just what you can do for him, he wants you. He wants you. Did you know that it's possible, it it is possible, that within the church, that we get so busy, we get so preoccupied with, with doing stuff. And I'm all for doing stuff, so we'll talk about that in just a second. We get so preoccupied with doing stuff that we completely forget about God himself. It's like, right? We just forget about him. Like, we don't want to, like, we don't, we're, here I, here I am, Jesus, I'm doing all these great things, right? And Jesus is like, I, I don't, like, I don't even know you. Like, we're, when is, when is the last time we spent some time together? When was the last time you spoke to me? When is the last time you just, you just sh- shut up for just a few moments and let me talk to you? I, I, I'm doing all this stuff for you, Jesus. I, that's great, but I want to be with you. I just want to be with you. And I know sometimes people outside of the church, sometimes people inside of the church, they'll say this, you know, the church just needs to stop praying, and they need to, they need to get to some action. They need to stop praying and start doing something, Right? And hey, hey, I get that sentiment and I say, hey, we are doing something. Like we're, we're, we're serving our city. We're giving thousands of dollars away. Like we're, we're doing that all the time, by the way. Like we are doing something. So I'm all about action. I'm all about serving our city. But I just wonder, I wonder, I, I understand that the problem could be that our church never takes action, but I wonder if the problem actually stems from the church never praying. You see what I'm saying? Like, I wonder if, if the problem actually stems from the church never praying. So we're never praying, and then we're doing stuff, and we don't even know how to do it, or what we're doing, or, or the reasons why we're doing it, right? All of those things, the, the true motivation for those things, we're just like, we're so busy doing stuff, we can't even be with Jesus, right? Here's the thing, I get that we're supposed to do stuff for Jesus. And we'll talk about that today. Today we'll talk about that, okay? But we have to remember that our primary work, our primary work, our primary action is found in prayer. And I get it, we just gotta do something. We need a better policy. Yeah, heck yeah, better policies. Let's do it, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, but the church that's not praying is also a church that has no power, right? If you're not praying for it, listen, I just wonder that. I I wonder sometimes, listen, if we're just so preoccupied with doing stuff that we've actually forgotten about time with Jesus, right? Time with Jesus, right? Again, try telling your spouse that you love them, but you just never want to be with them. Here's the way I'll say it. Disciples of Jesus prioritize being with Jesus, Okay, Disciples of Jesus Christ prioritize being with Jesus, Okay? Now listen, it's a false dichotomy. We've built a false dichotomy. Well, we're the church that serves. We're making a difference in our community. Yes and amen. All for that. Well, we're the praying church. And we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Signs and miracles, right? And, oh, but you're not doing anything. That's, that's a, when we pit those two things against one another, it's a false dichotomy. We have to stop doing that as a church. Stop it. Stop it. Stop claiming that we're more spiritual. We serve more. Listen, we're supposed to be doing both supposed to be doing both as I knock myself over. So what does your being with Jesus look like? Well, I want to suggest one thing. I don't have a time to give you a whole list, but let me suggest one thing, all right? Let me suggest silence and solitude, silence and solitude. And that's a really big deal because today we live in an age, I mean, this is crazy, right? Because now today, people can get a hold of us 24 hours a day. Isn't that crazy? Like, if you're not building boundaries in your life, okay, you need to build some boundaries. It's not okay for people to get a hold of me 24 hours a day. It's not. And it shouldn't be okay with you either. Right? It shouldn't be okay with you. People can wait. They, it just as the reality is true, they can wait, right? But we live in this age where we're expected to answer, reply to every text message, every ding, every buzz, every time our phone goes off, we're expected to reply in that instant, right? But look at Mark 631. I love this. Mark 631. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, they're so busy, couldn't even even get a bite to eat. He said to them, Jesus, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and what? And get some rest. Leave that up there for just a moment. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and what? And get some rest. For some of you, that's, that's what you need to hear today, right? That's the only thing you're going to get from the message. You're so running, you're running so hard. And I get it, you're trying to hustle, you're trying to build that thing. I, hey, awesome, kudos to you. Like, I cheer you on. I do, I seriously do. But you, you are running yourself into the ground, right? You're so tired, right? And the word of the Lord to you today is this. Jesus, the Spirit of God would say, hey, 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 come with me by yourself. to a quiet place. Just get some rest. Word of the Lord would just say that to you. That's going to minister to someone in here today. I don't know who it is. It's going to save your marriage today. It's going to save your relationship with your son or your daughter today. I believe that. Come with me for a little while by yourself. Just get some rest. Slow down. It's okay. It's okay. So whatever your being with Jesus looks like, I just want to encourage you to go to a quiet place where you can hear him. Um, He can hear you, right? And again, I know that's challenging. And if you have little ones at home, um, that is really challenging. Mothers, I get it. You've, you're like, you have no rest because it's just constant. And I get that. And so husbands, let me just challenge you gently. Hey, hey, give that. Give, serve your wives and take the kids for a few hours. Let, let your wife be with Jesus. Okay? Let her be in the word. Let her pray. Let her go outside. Let her, let her worship, right? Let her have that time to herself. And serve your wife in that way, it'll go so far, right, it'll go so far, right, because Jesus wants more than what you can do for him, right, he wants, he wants you, he wants undivided attention with you, and Jesus says, you know what, it's, it's the better thing, it's the better thing, it's the better thing, right, all right, let's shift gears a little bit, let's now talk about becoming like Jesus, okay, becoming like Jesus, turn with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 39, Luke 6, verse 39, here's what it says, he also told them this parable, this is Jesus, by the way, like a very, very short parable, he says, can the blind lead the blind? The answer, of course, no, right? Will they not both fall into a pit? Yes, they will, Jesus. The student, remember the Talmudim, that, that word, or the Hebrew word anyways, the student is not above the rabbi, okay? But everyone who's fully trained will be like their teacher right? This is cool. Jesus says it right here. Everyone who's fully trained will what? Will be like their teacher. You can be like Jesus. It's possible, right? You can be like Jesus. Three quick things that we learned from that verse right there. Number one, there's a difference between fully trained and partially trained, okay? Number two, um, this is not an overnight achievement, but a lifetime commitment. Training takes a lifetime, right? And number three, the goal is is becoming like your teacher, right? You're becoming like your teacher. You should want to, that should be the end result, you know, becoming like your teacher. Now, on the surface level, that sounds quite simple, right? It does sound simple, and it, it, it really does. But how many of us can say that we mastered that, right? How, don't even try to raise your hand here, right? How many of us can say that we mastered, we're like Jesus, boom, check off, check it, boom, I'm done, next task. Come on, right? Yeah, don't kid yourself, right? We've not achieved that. We've not achieved that, right? Here's what we all need to understand. For everyone in the room, if you're watching online as well, if we want to become like Jesus, here's what it's going to to require. It's going to require that you change. (laughs) It's going to require that I change. That's what it's going to require. It's going to require that church people change. It's going to require the pastor changes. Now, from the Bible's perspective, it's a bit more of a powerful word. It's the word transformation. Transformation. The Apostle Paul uses that word. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen. He says this: "In all, and we all, excuse me, with unveiled faces contemplate." I love this. The Lord's glory. He says this: "Are being what transformed? We're being transformed into His image, into the image of Christ." with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is what? Spirit, right? Now, that word that Paul uses there for the word transformed is the Greek word uh, metamorphao or something metamorpho, the Greek word. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. You guys are familiar with that word, right? Think of the caterpillar that becomes the butterfly, metamorphosis. Now that's a great, profound transformation. And when you begin to reflect upon that, you're starting to get a glimpse of what God wants to do with us. You see what I'm saying? Cool. Yeah. Two clappers. Awesome. All right. You're starting to get an understanding of what that looks like, right? That we are supposed to be transformed into the image of Jesus. No, it doesn't come overnight, so just breathe easy, okay? But this process of how we're transformed, we call this spiritual formation. All right? Spiritual Formation. Let me give you a definition. Spiritual formation is the process where our will and our character take on the character of Christ's will. Okay. Simply put, it's this. It's the process where what? Where Christ is formed in us. Christ is formed in us. It's the process where we, where we become more Christ-like. Right? More Christ-like. Now here's the thing, I think all of you know this, okay? The reality is that all of us, every single person in here, including myself, we're all being shaped, we're all being formed by something or someone, right? That's, that's happening no matter what, just, right, we all understand this. So the question is not whether or not we're being shaped or transformed, the question rather is who's shaping us, who's forming us, right? Now, I'm going to give you a list quickly of sort of five things, um, socially speaking, culturally speaking, five things. I think this will resonate with many of you. Five things that shape us. And this is a list um, given by John Mark Comer. He's, he's a um, pastor, writer, right, a bit of a theologian himself. John Mark Comer gives us this list of five things culturally that what? That shape us and form us. Number one, narratives or stories we believe, Right? You've heard that in the news. Hey, don't buy the narrative, right? I'm not going with that narrative. It's popular lingo, but it's true, right? There's a narrative that is just sort of, it's a stream of thought that we just like, people just buy into. Like if you're not aware, if you're not, you know, if if your eyes are not open, you sort of just believe things. Like think about sexuality, right? Like our world believes, right? One thing about sexuality, okay? But we believe differently, obviously, Okay. So we're shaped by the narratives of the stories that we believe, okay? Number two, we're shaped by the habits that we live into, right? We're shaped by the habits that we live into. So what we do on a regular basis is what we become. Or I can say it this way, the things that we do, do something to us. The thing, that, that's, why, that's why, listen, 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 that's why worship, gathering corporately, like, oh, I got to get out of bed, like, oh, I'm so busy, it's summertime in Michigan, there's only like 30 days of summer in Michigan, I don't want to be in church, I, I get it, I get it, I get it, but listen, what you do on a regular basis shapes you, it forms you of who you're becoming, so that, that corporate worship is not just, I'm going to church, no, 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 you're, you're coming to be shaped, molded, formed by the Holy Spirit. Hey, okay? you got gotta—it's it's transcendent. You gotta, gotta go beyond. I'm going to church, Mom. I'm going to church. No, no, I'm going to be shaped by Jesus. The okay. gather with the church. Someone turn that AC up. My goodness. <laughs> We're shaped number three by our relationships. Our relationships. We all know this, right? You tend to become like the people you hang out with, right? Right? So if you got loser friends, you got to drop them. Okay? Your pastor gives you permission for that. Right? Okay? You become like who you hang out with. Right? You start to dress like them. You start to talk like them. You probably vote like them. Right? You probably think the same about certain things about them. Right? Right? Which is just, just natural. Right? Number four, the environment we call home. The environment we call home. And I'm not just talking about like, you know, the house that you live in. I'm talking about really like the, the city that you inhabit. The culture. Right? It's a culture. There's, every city has this. Every every area has this, right? You become like I mean, you become like your city. You become like what's what's happening in your city, right? Five. Number five. Finally, our experiences. We're shaped by the things that we go through. Maybe you had a traumatic experience. Maybe you maybe you went through something difficult, and that shapes you, right? All of these things shape us for the good or for the bad. We we have to remember that they can shape us for the good or for the bad, okay? So how do we change this? How do we become more like Jesus? This is a great question. How do we become more like Jesus? Well, to much of our surprise, listen, it doesn't happen simply by listening to more sermons. It doesn't happen simply by downloading more of your favorite preacher's podcast. That's part of it, but that's like a really, really small part of it, okay? That's very narrow, right? It doesn't even happen just by listening to more preachers, right? We have to understand, listen, that we should... We must remember that information transfer doesn't equal Christ likeness. Okay, because there's there's, there's there's like a, a way of thinking that says I went, I sat in the building, I listened, therefore I'm now a better human being. Well, you might be, but you might be a jerk too, right? You might. I mean, like I mean, I'm serious. Maybe you didn't change at all, but you heard. And you laugh because hey, that pastor's pretty funny, and you're like whatever, whatever, right? Dress is kind of cool, whatever. Well, that's awesome, but what 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 changed you, right? What changed you, right? Listen, there's a big difference between knowing something and doing something. Come on, right? Yeah. Right? Come on, somebody. Hey, 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 hey. Let me ask you a question. Let me, let's get real for a moment. Anybody ever buy a diet book? A diet book. Come on, you bought a diet book. You right? Come on. Anybody ever failed to implement that diet book? Come on, you bought the book on keto, don't lie, okay? (laughs) Goodness gracious, all right? You bought the book on keto, or a whole 30. Come on, any whole 30 people in here? Or a whole 180, or whatever you do, 360, whatever it is for you, okay? Right? You bought the book, but you failed to implement in your life, right? There's a difference between knowing something and doing something. There's a difference between knowing something and even wanting to do something. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? So here's what I want to say, church. We cannot think our way to to, to Christ-like this. It's not just like an academic exercise. If I just read more theology books, well, you're going to learn more. That's really good for you. That is good for you. It could be bad if you become arrogant though, right? Prideful. Okay. So how do we combat these? Well, I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you four things. And on the screen behind me, you're going to see the things that I just listed and the, the, the sort of the gospel, the way the gospel intersects them. Okay. So number one, okay. We learn from the world Go ahead and put that up. We learn from the world that our, the narratives of the stories that we believe shape us, okay? But for the believer, for those who are disciples, listen, what's really shaping us is what? Teaching from God's Word. Why? Why is it teaching from God's Word? Because teaching from God's Word is what we call truth, or what we would call what is reality, right? So the world believes one thing about sex, and we'll say, hey, you know what? That's not really what I believe. Here's what the Scripture says. The Scripture says, that God made the male and female. That's what it says. The scripture says that a husband will leave his mother and his father, be joined to his wife, two shall become one flesh. So we're shaped, what? The teaching of God's word, because what? Because it's truth, or I can just say it's based in reality. And this is a a pretty wild thing in the middle of a culture that sort of denies objective reality, which is like... (laughs) It's crazy. Like, I don't care how you vote. I don't care where you're at in your journey, spirituality. Come on, you got to see this. You got to see it. Don't, don't play dumb. Right? Just denying objective reality of truth. Right? Number two, the world shapes us by our habits, but as, as Jesus' followers and disciples, listen, we're shaped by our what? Our practices. Our practices. Our practices. This is why the, the one example I can give you that comes to my mind is that the practice of serving, whether it's at church or whether it's at home with your family, with your spouse. When you serve, guess what? You're becoming more like Jesus. Right? When you cause why? Because we all have to serve when it's inconvenient. We all have to serve when we don't want to. We all have to serve when, when we'd rather be doing something else. But guess what? Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. And so when we serve, listen, we're becoming more like Jesus. It's a practice. That you, and if you're dating right now, if you're engaged, you need to practice this right now in your relationship. Practice serving one another, okay? Number three, relationships, but we're shaped by what? Our community, our community, right? In, in community, this is why we cannot, we cannot grow alone. We cannot follow Jesus alone. It's just, there's just too much pull from the world. We, we, you can't do it by yourself. I know that you might think you're a superhero, but you can't follow Jesus all by yourself, because you're just gonna succumb to the ideologies of our day. You're just gonna succumb to the ethos of our world right now, <laughs> succumb to the narratives, of my, right? And so listen, you need to follow Jesus with a community, why? Because the community does two things. A community encourages you, and a community, what, exposes you. A community encourages you, because you need encouragement, but a community also exposes you, right? Have you ever talked to the newlywed couple? I love talking to newlyweds because like, it's, it's like, hilarious, right? You're just like, ha ha ha, been there, done that, right? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> and you're like, you're so in love. <laughs> That'll last forever, right? <laughs> but I love it when newlyweds are like, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, oh my, I didn't realize how selfish I was. And you're like, you think? Why is it that you didn't know this, though? No, for real. How come you didn't know this? You didn't know this because you were just, you were probably living by yourself, right? You got married, and guess what? You got someone in your community who's all up in your grill all of a sudden, and they see those dirty socks, that dirty underwear, the bra hanging over the shower. Ah, you ain't hiding any of it, right? You're not hiding any of it. Well, so what do they do? They expose you. They're like, man, you were you kind of selfish. Ah, okay, maybe I am a little bit, a little bit, right? But hopefully your spouse will also, what? Encourage you. Hey, I love you. You could be more like Jesus here. <laughs> okay, OK, 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 OK. Right? We've all had those conversations with our spouses, right? Finally, number four, our environment and our experiences from the world. But, but who shapes us in regards to this? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, listen, convicts. He guides. He illuminates the truth for us. He heals beyond our city's influence and beyond any experience that we undergo. You have the Holy Spirit. If you are found in Christ, guess what? The Holy Spirit lives in you. It's the power of God. It's the presence of God that lives inside of you. Jesus says he'll be with you. He'll also be what? In you. Okay? It's the reality of the power of God. And when it comes to transformation, I want to just say this. God plays a role, but we also play our role. God plays a part, we play a part, we're supposed to partner with God, does that make sense? So we don't sit around waiting, man, I wish God would just make me more selfless. Gosh, I, I just wish God would do a marriage, I wish God would make me more of a servant. No, get off the couch, start serving someone, right? Start, go cut the grass, right? Go take out the garbage, right? Go wash the dishes, go sweep and mop, That's, you're serving your family, you're serving your household, Right? Become a, we, we have a part to play. God does his part, but we also play our part, okay? Finally, let's talk about what Jesus did, our final part here, what Jesus did. Matthew 10, verse 5 says this, these 12, Jesus, here's the words, sent out, sent out with the following instructions. He says this, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, he says this, proclaim this message, Okay. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, okay? Drive out demons, right? Jesus said that. Freely you have received, so freely give. Jesus is like, be generous, it's okay, okay? Luke 10:1, another verse says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and what? Sent them, there's the word there, there's a the key word, sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. What are the key words there? Sent them. He sent them, right? The disciples were with Jesus, right? They were supposed to be with him, become like him. But then the, the ultimate end goal was to what? To do as Jesus did. To do as Jesus did, right? Preach the gospel, heal the sick, prophesy, care for the poor, Right? Practice peacemaking, right? Love other people. All of these things, right? Jesus says, go and do likewise. We know that the Great Commission, of course, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, a lot of us are familiar with these verses. Jesus says, go therefore to all nations, right? Make disciples, right? Disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's why you, if you have not been water baptized, Listen, as a believer, like I think, like you should, because it's a, it's a command. Now, if you were baptized as a, as a baby, I get that, but we'll talk later. Anyhow, listen, baptizing them, and then Jesus says this: teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you to do, teaching them, teaching them to obey. This is this is what we're supposed to be doing, right? Essentially, Jesus is saying this to his disciples. He's saying, listen, listen, huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. Come, on, guys, come on. All right? Get a little huddle. Shh, Peter, listen, listen to me. Andrew, stop. Knock it off. Come here. Okay. Here's the deal, you guys. What's up, Jesus? You guys have been with me for three years. We have. You guys have seen everything I've done, right? We have. You guys have practiced what I've done. We have. It's your turn. It's your turn. Go. John, you see that city over there? The capitalist? Ten cities? Go. Preach the gospel. All right, Jesus, I'm on it. Peter, see that woman over there? Yeah, what about her? She's sick. Go pray for her. Go heal the sick. I'm on it, Jesus. Andrew, what's up, Jesus? Come here, okay? See that man? Yeah, he's got a demon. Go have fun. All right, cool, I'm on. Right? Go and do likewise, right? Go and do likewise. And those first apostles, listen, they operated in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, and so that's how we do ministry today. We do it in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't do ministry in your own strength. You do it through a, through a supernatural means. It's the power of God living in you. So you're like, I'm so scared. What do I say to him? What do I say to him? Well, listen, in that moment, it's very likely that the Holy Spirit will give you words to say. Right? Give you words to say. So we do this today. Now, if you study out what a, kind of a, an apprenticeship model, an apprenticeship model, they you know, sociologically, or whatever you want to call this, I guess, an apprenticeship model just is four stages, okay? Let me describe this to you really quick. So stage number one is this. Um, stage number one, I do you watch, right? I do you watch. This is the disciples watching Jesus do everything he did, right? Healing, teaching, casting out demons, okay? Stage number two is this, I do you help, I do you help, okay? That means uh, feeding to the 5,000, okay? Jesus is like, hey, go hand the food out, go do this, go see how many people there are, all right? They're helping, but Jesus is doing the miracle. Stage number three, you do now and I help. You do, I help. This is the man who has the boy. He's possessed by a, a, a demon. He's um, uh, demonized. And the disciples are wondering, in Mark 9, I think it is, hey, Jesus, why can't, we, we tried to, to heal this guy, this boy, and it didn't work. And Jesus says to them, it only comes out by fasting and praying. And Jesus says, you know, demon, like, be rem- like you must flee right now and Jesus heals this boy, okay? So they're doing ministry, but they need Jesus' help at that point, right? That's stage three. Stage four is finally this, right? You do, I watch. You do, I watch. The disciples do the work of the ministry, and then they report back to Jesus. That's what we see here with the 72. They're going out and they're doing ministry, and if you read beyond, I think it's Luke, right, Luke 10. If you read beyond in that chapter, what does it say? The disciples come back to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, even the demons submit right, to our authority, and he's like, that's awesome, but don't be, don't rejoice in that the demons obey you. Rejoice that your name is written, right, in the, in the last book of life, and so uh, they're reporting back to Jesus as they do the work of the ministry, right, and so Jesus mapped this pattern out, and the end goal, the end goal was for his disciples to do as he does. That's, that's your goal. That's my goal, right, is to, to do this, just, just what Jesus did. Exactly what Jesus did. That's what it means to apprentice under Jesus, okay? And you have the Holy Spirit, so you're not alone. I'm not alone. You have the power of God that lives in you, okay? Right? The Holy Spirit. Now, today, let me just say this. We're getting ready to, to wrap up here. But everything that we've talked about, being with Jesus, becoming like him, doing as Jesus does, um, all of that is not like an overnight achievement, okay? It's a lifetime commitment. So just take the pressure off yourself, just breathe a little bit, eat, just, you know, take a sigh of relief, right? It, it's not an overnight achievement. It's a, it's a lifetime commitment, right? This thing that we call transformation, a lifetime commitment, lifetime commitment. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over decades. It happens with what? With practice, with practice. Like, I don't want to serve my wife. Well, I know, it takes practice. <laughs> t- I don't want to serve my husband. I know, it takes practice. I don't want to get the kids ready. I just want to sleep a little longer. I know it takes practice to serve, right? It takes practice to do these things over and over and over and over and over again. And guess what? The things that you do, do something to you, right? The habits that you live in to shape your life, transform you, right? And I just want to encourage you today, no matter where you're at in your discipleship journey, here's how I want to encourage you. Just jump all in. Just jump all in into discipleship with Jesus, okay? Jump all in. For some of you, here's what this means. For some of you, you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't been with Jesus in, yeah, I don't remember the last time I was with Jesus. Like you're corporately with Jesus, which is great. But some of you haven't been with Jesus by yourself. Like right? you haven't opened up your Bible. You haven't prayed, okay? And I wanna encourage you, listen, for you this morning, the word of the Lord would just say, hey, be with... he's just saying to you, come be with me. Come to a quiet place, get some rest, come with me. Right? Be with Jesus, right? For some of you, maybe you've, let me just encourage you, you've been stuck in these bad habits. Maybe it's addiction, whatever it is. And I just want to encourage you today, you can change. You can change. It's possible. You're like, I've been doing this for 20 years, Marco. No, no, no. You can change. It's possible through the power and the transformation of the Holy Spirit. It's possible. How? By daily surrendering your life over to him, by daily, right, but giving yourself over to Jesus, by by daily spending time with him, by daily practicing, right? The presence of God, right? Formation is often very, very slow. Let's just be honest. Now, there are some formation that happens rapidly, but for so many of us, it just happens a little by little, by little by little by little. It's a lifetime of of of, of transformation through and in the power of the holy spirit. Okay? And last thing I want to leave you with is this. I want to ask you a question as we leave here. Here's the question. Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Okay? Who are you becoming? If you were to plot the life the next 10, 20, 30 years of your life out and you look down 30 years, who who is the person you're becoming? And as you think about that person, is that person, listen, something found like in the world? Um, is it a thing? Is it another person? Or is, or is that person more like Jesus Christ? Okay. Because it is possible that you are successful in the eyes of the world. You got the business. You got the money. You got, you got, you got all the flexibility. You got the time freedom, right? You got the great body. Whatever it is, listen. You can be successful in the world's eyes and yet be a complete failure in the eyes of Jesus, right? You're living with anxiety, okay? You're living with insecurity. You're bitter. You haven't forgiven the person who hurt you 10 years ago, 20 years ago, right? You're 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 ailed by addiction, right? You are selfish like no other. Noah, you are so selfish. It's possible that you do all the things in the world's eyes. Um, that are right, but listen, but you're a failure as a disciple. I don't want that to be your story. I don't want that to be my story, right? In fact, I'd rather win as a disciple and lose with the world, right? I just wanna encourage you today, wherever you're at, you can change. You can change. Yeah, but I messed up big time. You, you probably did, and you can change. God's not done with you, right? Okay? Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for this day, God. Lord, I'm just feeling on my heart right now that someone needs to hear this, Lord. That they can change. Transformation is possible. Power of the Holy Spirit. God, transform us today, Lord. Help us to become more like you, not necessarily more like what the world would would, would want us to look like, God. But what, what are you calling us to do, God? How are you shaping us, God? How are you forming us, Lord? We want to look like you 10, 20, 30 years, God, as a father, God, as a mother, Lord. We want to be a godly woman. We want to be a godly father, godly man, Lord. God, shape us into that. We know it's not overnight, God, but as we partner with you, Lord, as we experience the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can become more like you, God, we can do the works you did in of greater measure, God, of greater measure. You said it in your word, God. And so, God, we trust you today, Lord. Trust you with our lives, God. We trust you with formation of this as disciples, God. God. We lean into you. Holy Spirit, come, have your way. Shape this church. Move in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.